Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Well, Lee has a day off, so Amy Donaldson from the Deseret News and Scott Howell, we have taken over the studio, much to their chagrin. Um, but if you'd like to join us uh, in our conversation, and we really hope you do, uh, please uh, text us at the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, that number is 57500. Uh, we'd love to know who is your favorite president, and do you have a favorite presidential quote? And um, why was that person your favorite president? Well, I don't care about why. Oh, I, Amy, <laughs> we have to, to know. know. We need don't to know why. To know. I think, you know, unless we're going to be friends, then no, just kidding. (laughs) No, but uh, but we decided we would uh, share with you a presidential quote. We kind of went through a few this morning. um, And uh, I'm going to start with one of the most famous um, that we all know. And that is the only thing we have to fear is fear itself by Franklin Delano Roosevelt served this country from 1933 till 1945. Scott? And that was his radio broadcast, if I remember. He he announced that. One of the ones that I've always thought about, uh, and it's apropos now, it's from Thomas Jefferson, who was our president from uh, 1801 to 1809. On matters of style, swim with the current. On matters of principle, stick like a rock. Who does that remind you of? Uh, Mitt Romney. Senator Romney, <laughs> stick like a rock. Right now? Yeah. A few people. There's a few of those. Yeah, there's, a, right? there's yeah. quite a few. So um, I'm very, very grateful and excited to have our next guest uh, join us in studio. We have uh, Representative Angela Romero. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yes. Good thanks. to see you, yeah. Representative. Have well, my radio clothes on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I, we have matching sweat outfits. Yes. We're, uh, we're, uh, it's, you know, it's sort Gym of. Gym day. It's a day off, but it's also a work day for us. Yeah. Like, there's no days off, really, right? Especially during the session. No. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very fascinated, very grateful, uh, very intrigued by this uh, HB116 that you're running. Um, and it's uh, to form a task force that would look at um, missing and murdered indigenous women, um, specifically in Utah. And girls and two-spirited. Yes. Okay, so tell us a little bit about sort of how this came to you and... Well, I was approached by a former colleague, Yolanda Francisco Nez, last year. She works for a restorative ancestral winds and it's a nonprofit that specifically focuses on sexual assault and domestic violence and she asked me to run a resolution on murdered and missing indigenous women to um, have a, a day which is May 5th I know a lot of people think about Cinco de Mayo but that's not really a holiday for Latinos it's um, Americanized for people to drink and act stupid and so <laughs> she asked me to run this um, awareness day because it's a national holiday on May 5th and so I ran the resolution along with Senator Escamilla, just talking about the epidemic that we see, the crisis we see when it comes to murdered and missing indigenous women and two-spirited people. 
and um, that passed both chambers. And then I thought I would do the task force this year. I've been working with the Utah Department of Public Safety, so UD. Um, I've been working with um, state law enforcement, local law enforcement, with our Native communities to kind of put together a task force that is meaningful and is going to get to what we need to get to, which is the data and classification and that's of one of the things indigenous I think, individuals. Sorry to interrupt you. That was one of the things I think is really interesting about this is that we know the problem is like I, I remember reading it's like ten times you're ten times more likely to to you know suffer a crime of violence if you're a, an indigenous woman. But we don't really know like the hard data on that like because we don't have good collection um explain sort of what some of the issues are with data collection well it's just the racial classification mm-hmm. i think many people get confused with ethnic groups and racial groups mm-hmm. and so ethnically i'm hispanic mm-hmm. when we do the census but racially i'd be considered white and native american because i'm also native american mm-hmm. so you know somebody else could be ethnically hispanic and racially black and so a lot of times people miss classification different law enforcement agencies use different ways in which to document so what we're going to do with this task force and we've gotten buy-in from law enforcement at a county and state and local level is is really kind of work together and also make sure we have indigenous members as part of this task force a lot of the other task force are elected officials and agencies mm-hmm. that serve um, our native um, community, but don't have a lot of native voices on it. And so we, we want to do that a little bit different here in Utah. Representative Romero, which state was leading out on this? Did, did I read it was North Dakota or? North Dakota, uh, but actually through our research, because we've been working on this since May. Right. Washington State Washington has done state. an excellent job. We're one of the only Southwest states that hasn't formed a task force. Um, President um, Trump has also put together a task force, so all these task forces are going to come together. Um, but we're we're honing in our on our state so that we can kind of work with these other states to kind of um, paint a larger picture. Because there's been disagreement from the Urban Indian Institute, who did a report on this and law enforcement. So I felt like this was an important time, an important conversation to bring all sides together to identify. Um, what the true numbers are, where the gaps are, and how do we move forward as a community because we're dealing with the federal government, we're dealing with state government, we're dealing with local government, we're dealing with um, the tribes, we're dealing dealing with sovereignty. So there's there's a lot of inner workings here. And so that's why this task force is is so important and so relevant. And I I think that you can't... um get some to a better place when you don't know where you are at you can't like if you're looking at a map you can't get to la if you don't know you're in salt lake city right you can't exactly and and, you know there's been concerns raised by some of my colleagues uh, well why task force are meaningless they don't do anything but you nailed it right there yeah if you if you don't have a road map how are you supposed to get where you're going you gotta find out the data and know and Larry Echohawk, I noticed, uh, was appointed recently by Governor uh, Herbert mm-hmm. to be on his cabinet. Uh, is he working with you on this, and is this a he, team effort? He attended um, the meetings, but he won't be on the task force. That, but that doesn't mean he doesn't he won't have a role or role won't participate. It. Right. Um, just due to the fact that everyone wanted to be on this task force. Oh, and so I had <laughs> a limit. I had a limit it to 17 individuals oh, wow. but that doesn't mean there won't be other people who can't participate and provide the data but again I wanted to make sure that we were truly representing our 
our indigenous native right. communities as part of this as part of the task force and we had the right players in place to be able to do the research and work with our um our ledge council and our ledge um policy analysts and so it's been a really interesting um experience but I think I just want to point out one one thing. People, when they think about Native Americans and they think about Native American communities, they always assume that if you're Native American, you live on a reservation. 71% of American Indians live in urban settings. And so mm-hmm. I think people have this this stereotype and this myth that um, we're all on the reservation, but that's not necessarily true. And we, we have a hard out. I want to thank you so much for this. Please, please uh, look into this. I think what you're doing, especially with the representation, is just unlike any other task force I've seen being formed. And I'm really grateful to you for your work. And um, thank you so much for coming in and talking about it and joining us. And real quick, where's the bill? The bill is on the third reading calendar. Third reading. And so it should be heard tomorrow or Wednesday. Wonderful. Awesome. Hey, call your representatives and let's get that bill moving. HB 116 is the bill that we want to do for everybody in the state of Utah. Thank you. You're listening to Live Mike on KSL News Radio. Thank you, Representative. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.